Ce n'est pas fini, ce n'est qu'un début. Yes. That one went so hard. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry, and in this 51st episode, I'm here with Allison Purdue. Throughout the podcast, we discuss day-to-day managing in the music industry, her, or- her origin story, the music business, balancing roles, and much, much more. We also play the Dream Fest game. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cloud Machine Podcast, a platform that allows us to learn more about the music industry through conversations with artists, people in the behind the scenes, uh, music business individuals, creatives, and much more. Our goal is to shine a light on all the stuff that is happening in the music world, topics and realities that are gatekept, and the people and roles that may often be overlooked. This week, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming Allison Purdue to the podcast. She is an all-around music junkie, barricade fangirl, and uh, now artist manager. Uh, if you remember a few episodes ago before the break, uh, we had Lori Lee Boutet on to talk about her company, Wednesday Management. Well, 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 uh, this week, we are delighted to continue the conversation with one of her day-to-day managers. It is uh, Allison Purdue. Hi, Allison. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Uh, I was joking before because uh, now that we're doing this on Zoom, I don't have, uh, I can't actually listen to the background music that is happening in the intro. So we're like, uh, I guess, I guess I'm doing it on, uh, uh, you know, on, on pace with the music. Anyway, I just wanted I to uh, talk about that. that well, silence. Hopefully, <laughs> hope. <laughs> Hopefully it works. Stared into each other's eyes for a second. Yes, hopefully it works. Um, you know, the people listening to this podcast will have heard it already. So there you go. I hope they liked it. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> um, Allison, let's start the podcast how we always start the pod. Okay. Um, your favorite live show experience as a fan. Um, okay. Yeah. What What you got? What, what comes up? I feel like my favorite performances are like when I've seen a bigger artist now in smaller mm. venues years ago like I feel like those are just so cool right. um Billie Eilish at the Drake Hotel is like my favorite I think that's so oh cool I know <laughs> I think <laughs> we, like, we've spoken about this uh, I tell once. everyone because I'm like that's the coolest thing I've ever done <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, wow that okay sick. and then like even, oh my God, I saw Dua Lipa opening for Troye Sivan and then saw her first right. headline show at the Mod Club. That was so much fun. <laughs> saw Catfish in the Bottleman at Lee's Palace when I was like underage, had to use a fake ID to get in. That yeah. was sick. So I feel like those are my favorites because like that will never happen again. But it was so cool seeing those artists Wild. in such small venues. For the Billy performance, mm-hmm. like was it still her, her brother and Andrew, like her their drummer? God, I can't remember if Andrew was there, but okay. I, I remember Just, her and her brother. That's wild. That's for sure. That's and crazy. the thing is too, she was she met everyone after it came out to the March booth. My friends were my friends and I were like, we're tired. We'll catch her next time. So <laughs> did not meet Billy Eilish that night. Wow. But maybe one day. Um when and when was this? This would have probably been before like like before 2016. I like, remember the month because I just dyed my hair brown. It was it was <laughs> October 2017. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. It was um, a crazy time. And for those who don't know, so it, sorry, was it the Drake Hotel or the Great the Drake Underground? Oh, sorry, it was the Drake Underground, yeah. Okay. 
So for those who don't know the Drake Underground, it's like maybe, I don't know, 250 cap. I think less. Uh, I think it's 150 cap. There you go. Uh, even less. So crazy. it's like, it's pretty crazy. Anyway, <laughs> wild. So I think those, but then yeah. like, I don't know, more recently, I feel like Biba Doobie Live is insane. I love oh, her. Yeah. Um, Oliver Tree Live is actually a great time. And that okay. was a really fun live show. Great. Um, yeah, I feel like those. Fantastic. Um, on to the next. Is there a project uh, slash band slash artist slash campaign slash era that would that you would have worked with um, that would best define uh, or represent your work um, for those of you who don't know you? Um, you know, is there something that comes to mind when I say you know a project band artist campaign era that would uh, best represent uh, best represent your work so far? Crazy. Um... <laughs> God, I feel like I've been through different eras. I need my own eras tour. <laughs> um, I definitely went through my internship era, did th did a, yes. quite a few of those. That was quite significant for me, which we'll get into later when we go into my origin story. Oh, yes. um, I feel like one of them definitely, I work with a local artist who's named Savvy Souza, and she was like the first artist I took on by myself because I wanted more experience in the business. It was like when I was finishing school and then throughout the pandemic and then a lot of exciting stuff actually did end up happening with her. Yeah. And I owe a lot of my experience to that. Um, so that's definitely another huge thing for me. Um, my last job, I was at 604 Records and I feel like I see that as significant in my career it just like I guess everything I've worked on has played a different role like I've learned so much from the things I've done and I owe a lot to the artists I've worked with in the past um yeah I don't know I feel like this past year especially has been exciting for me so yeah maybe that I don't know if that really answered it but no no it's great it's great yeah. it just just to talk about what you think is is important for people to also check out as well so people check out Sabi Souza we'll we'll be talking about Sabi uh later on in the pod um but yeah no that that's that's great and, and of course we'll talk about all these things throughout the origin story so um stoked for that um now going into the quote situation on the pod um the infamous quote last year again for the people that are just listening for the first time this year last year was the Erica Badu quote um about you know the music and the music business not being the same thing um this year i've uh, picked out a Joni mitchell quote um, which is the quote is i heard someone from the music business saying that they are no longer looking for talent they want people with a certain look and a willingness to cooperate um i am really interested to hear what your first thoughts are on this instincts just because you're coming from a management perspective on this um so again the quote is from Joni Mitchell I heard someone from the music business saying they are no longer looking for talent they want people with a certain look and a willingness to cooperate what is what are your first instincts when you hear that sentence um yeah let's just start there I don't know it's so tricky because like I feel like artists do need some sort of entrepreneurial sense in them like you do need to go out there and network with other artists and other producers and then like it sucks but you do need to make content and be on TikTok and have a presence and that side of it yeah I don't know if I agree with that the music doesn't matter at all anymore but then what she says in the quote that you need a certain look I feel like if anything that's less true now because the good side of social media and TikTok is that it's opened the doors for anyone to have a chance versus 
I don't think that was true 20 years ago, if anything, like early 2000s, like it was very skinny, beautiful pop stars. And I think now anyone can kind of put their music out there, make content, be relatable. And that's what's so exciting about social media and TikTok that I really like about it. Yeah. But it does, on the flip side of that, put a lot more pressure on artists to be like, I don't know, social media experts and to market themselves, which Mm -hmm. I totally sympathize with. I get that's probably a really annoying thing to have to think of every day, but unfortunately necessary. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's great. Uh, What do you think about the, the whole like a willingness to cooperate bit? I think that's to me, one of the more interesting parts of Mm -hmm. the quote in regards to, they don't want the talent. They want people to, to, with a certain look, and a willingness to cooperate as in a willingness to sort of follow what the superiors want or not, maybe not the superiors, but mm-hmm. the management wants or what the label wants and stuff like that. Like artists be willing to be molded into a certain sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts there? And also, I also want to highlight that this is might be wrong. You know, it's not necessarily um whatever she's saying is, is, is also an opinion. So we can also look at it and being, well, it, it's, it's actually not this way, you know, um, just for the listeners as well, as we go through this. Mm-hmm. I feel like willingness to cooperate and what you're saying with the labels and managers want, I feel like what everyone wants right now is for an artist to post on TikTok and yes. have content and do that. Like, that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of what industry professionals want of their artists yeah so strictly in that sense I think maybe yes like even when I was working at a label that was one of the things we looked at and obviously played a big part into signing people like do they do they know how to use social media because it's a lot easier I think to work with an artist starting from the ground up who already posts every day and who already knows how to brand their music and who already has a sense of it and you don't need to be an expert but you can scroll through TikTok and see what the artists you like are posting, figure out what you think is cringe, figure out what you like, and then figure out how to apply it to the music you make. So in that sense, maybe yes. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. I also feel like there's a pushback in regards to like the need for authenticity in artists now as well, in regards mm-hmm. to, sure, there's a, there might be a, willing to co- a willingness to cooperate, but at the same time, labels in my opinion or you know the fans want the authentic artist to 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 sort of shine through so it's mm-hmm. like a willingness to cooperate maybe on a process and like operations day-to-day level like oh you need to post x tiktok and willing to cooperate on that sort of thing even just in the scheduling activ- activities thing but audiences will still want to see like the more authentic side uh oh, of God. the artist like, as in like more than ever i think yeah yeah, yeah. they're not like i feel like they can't sort of mold the personality of an artist if it's not like authentic because the audience will see it right away, you Mm -hmm. know? No, a hundred percent. You can see through that shit, especially where I think young people now are just on social media so much more than ever, obviously. Yeah. So it's easy to tell who's being authentic, who's trying too hard. Mm, Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. It's easy to see through that. And I think people wanting more than ever from their artists it's like you can't really be mysterious anymore you can't just have yes. a cool and get away with it like people want to know what are you doing on the day-to-day what's the get ready with me like what outfits are you choosing between for this performance and I think maybe when you get to a certain point you don't have to do that anymore 
But as an artist starting out where there's so much competition and there's so many other people on TikTok being like, this is like so relate, like this is my song and it's so relatable. You need to, I don't know, make yourself different. You need people to relate to you. You need people to like want to like your music, but then also follow you on Instagram and come to your live show. And I think that like, I don't know, showing a lot of your life might be part of that. Mm -hmm. Going to uh, sort of another question I have in my little blurb uh, script thing here. Um, Are you seeing some new developments in the industry currently um, from maybe a live uh, or sorry, maybe a fan perspective um, or just from a manager's perspective or things that you're seeing some new development developments in the, in the, in the music industry that maybe some people, some audience members, maybe some listeners that are listening to this podcast might not be seeing from uh, their point of view right now. Big question. I don't know if this completely answers it, but it's just more so something that I've been thinking of recently. Like, Mm. I'm not talking about the artists who use TikTok on the day-to-day and are still trying to build their careers. I'm thinking more so artists who are already established, but the way they use social media. So I was thinking about this a few weeks ago, like a Sabrina Carpenter versus a Dua Lipa, where you can tell, like, Sabrina Carpenter isn't going on TikTok every day being like, these are my lyrics. And, like, if you're, I don't know, like feeling great about yourself you should go listen but you can tell she's really into the trends and she uses the app so when she does post it's like really funny and it makes people like her a lot more and she's just in tune with what's going on even if she's not posting every day right but then I listen I love my girl Dooley but she's she's my girl but when she posts on TikTok or tries to do I was thinking about this because she was trying to do a trend with Houdini and I'm sure it came from her label Like it just, you can tell she doesn't spend time on social media and it came off as so cringy and no one jumped on it. And I just find that interesting where it's like how artists on higher levels who already established interact with social media and use it for their own careers. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think of that answer to your question. I'm trying to- No, it's it's fantastic. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just like sort of being more authentic in the content. And, And like you were saying earlier, it's like you see it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before we got on this call, <laughs> uh, I saw this Drake thing. I, I, did you see the Drake video that he just posted? It might have literally been like a few hours ago. Do I ago. want to? <laughs> I, it's so weird. Um, it's <laughs> uh, it's basically just like a day in the life of Drake, but he's only at, he's like at home chilling, and he's like there's like it's like clips of him like in the bath and like going from sauna to ice plunge or whatever that's so relatable i also do that no but it's like it's like it's so weird because it's it's literally just like a guy in his in his like house going like this like just like vertical shooting right Right. you need to pull this up that's insane (laughs) and it's crazy like it's it doesn't like it's and it's it's also like two minutes like it's not like a quick thing. Like it's like it's like a day in the not life. Two minutes straight. Come on. No, I don't. Those thirty like, second posts. It's like <laughs> you I think I'm I, watching two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like taking like like him in the morning all the way to like going to bed, and it's him like going to bed like this. That's like anyway, it's it's so crazy. funny. Um, just to come back to like the whole yeah. the trends thing, and it's like like not this like some of the biggest artists in the world not being like boots on the ground enough to mm-hmm. be like 
um, yes, to be uh, uh, like authentic, but also to be like sort of like relatable in That's a way. The thing. And I guess you get to a certain point where you don't like you like Dua Lipa obviously doesn't go on TikTok every day, and I respect her so much for that. Like she doesn't need to. She's at that point where it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I just find that really interesting. Just um. <laughs> Yeah, like someone like Sabrina Carpenter is definitely so much more relatable to people on social media and on TikTok and to younger people because right. she understands the trends and every now and then she'll jump in and everyone loves it. Everyone goes crazy. Yeah. As a manager, do you think that artists, even like the doula peeps uh, doula. of the world, yeah, doula peep, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think that they should have uh, like a secret account? Or like a like a buffer account that they can just like go and like see content or is that like would you say like that's I not advisable like, god just for their own mental health no stay right off that shit um yeah, yeah, i yeah, feel yeah. like it depends what the goal is like if dua lipa wanted to all of a sudden be super relatable on tiktok and uh, like appeal to a much younger audience then sure like yeah. it would be good for her to scroll through and see what's on there. Even someone like Lord, like Lord is so unplugged, out of touch. She like writes her fucking email list to her fans or yeah, she like does her <laughs> monthly emails and that's it. Right. She's not that involved on social media. And I think it kind of works for them. But again, yeah. if Lord all of a sudden wanted to be a TikTok early, I'm sure it'd be useful for her to like start an account. But for newer artists and people who are just getting into it and do need need slash want uh to be more involved on tiktok and social media i would totally recommend it because that's how you understand what's going on totally and it, i've worked with so many artists who just don't know what to post which i right. definitely understand it's hard to know how to promote your music in a way that isn't cheesy feels authentic to what you're doing mm -hmm. um but my biggest advice is just like scroll through the app look up bands and artists that you like, see what they're doing, save the ones that you think are cool. I think there's cool ways to use the app to promote music. You just have to spend time on it and know what's going on there. And then having a secret account or having your own account is also like, there's weekly trends and weekly sounds and it's good to know what's going on in yeah. that sense. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, depends if you're Dua Lipa or not. That's basically, <laughs> that's yeah. basically. Uh Again, sort of going off off script here, but uh, during the Beyonce Renaissance tour, mm -hmm. uh, at a certain moment, um, you know, she had quoted some things and some trends that were happening on socials and specifically with her with her fans. Mm -hmm. It was kind of this moment of like, oh my gosh, she is listening to us, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, we, I'm and I'm quoting the the you are you are the visuals baby quote where mm -hmm. um fans were sort of um not happy that she wasn't like releasing the visuals to the fans and stuff yeah and um anyway she she responded during the show uh saying you are the visuals i think i'm pretty sure it's you are the visuals baby or something mm -hmm. anyway um do you do you think that it's important for 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 artists to still be connected like that to 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 their fans and to to what's going on, even though that Beyonce probably isn't on Instagram or isn't mm. on TikTok, like, do you think it's important? But also, like, do you know if she has? Like, she probably has like a content team or something like informing she her has on sending her the videos. Yeah, yeah this yeah, reminds yeah, yeah. me of when um 
I don't know if this was just my for you page or if this is going to be relatable to people listening. The <laughs> Josh Hutcherson whistle meme that was going crazy like a month ago. Okay. Have you seen that? No. Okay. <laughs> it was it was <laughs> when the new Hunger Games came out, and I think his name is Josh Hutcherson, the guy who played Peta. There was this. Yeah viral meme of him going around and he recently said in an interview that someone had to show it to him because he's not on social media but he thought it was really funny and then acknowledged it and everyone went crazy because they thought it was so funny that he acknowledged it right <laughs> so i think it's almost like it makes it more exciting when someone who isn't on social media that much sees what people are talking about or joking about or whatever they're doing even people who are on social media i think fans always have this idea that like the artist will never interact with them or never see what they're doing so it's always like a cool moment where it's like oh my God, they do see our posts or they do see our jokes and they're like interacting back with us. It just like makes a fun moment out of it, which I think is cool. Yeah, it's almost like a win for the fans that are like, oh my gosh, they they did see what, yeah. what, I, what I created or whatever meme or whatever. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, transitioning now to the origin story. Okay. Spoke about it a little bit early on, a little teaser yeah. for the origin story. I'm ready. Um, but uh, can you give me a lowdown on um, where you grew up and um, your creative upbringing, if there is one. Okay. If, if, and if there isn't one, your fangirl upbringing. Oh my God. There's a lot of that. <laughs> we'll yeah, get into yeah, that. Yeah. I will slowly get less cool as I talk through it. <laughs> um, okay. So I grew up in Etobicoke, um, literally 30 minute drive away, not yeah. that far. Um, creative upbringing. Honestly, I love to be one of those people who's like, my parents had a huge vinyl collection and I listened to it all the time and that's how I got my taste in music. But yeah. if I'm being so for real, I, this is, I'm going to get fired. Um, <laughs> I learned a lot of music from like American Idol and Glee. <laughs> like that was yes, my yeah. exposed to music. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. This is sick. But yeah, no, my parents and I watched American Idol all the time growing up. I cried when Clay and lost season two. Oh my gosh really for me first heartbreak. <laughs> um but yeah no I feel like that was a cool way to get into it because every week they did different themes and they'd have producers and artists come on the yeah. show and like guide the contestants. So that's how I got into a lot of it. Embarrassing or not. Um and glee as well. Every week there's a theme. I'm a glee. What can I say? Yeah. You know what? Honestly I was, to, <laughs> I was honestly this is it was cool. <laughs> honestly this is a cloud machine exclusive first time i was also a gleek oh i was also up, a gleek you know? yeah it's uh it's crazy i was also a gleek um growing up how could you not be it was it's just like kind of crazy yeah i still there's some of the glee covers that i still listen to on like <laughs> okay <laughs> I, a monthly <laughs> basis. okay only i don't like do two or three. i don't do that but uh Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, but I yeah, wish it was cooler very than cool. that. But that's how I like, I guess, <laughs> got exposed to a lot of music. And then uh. after that, when I was a teenager, I would honestly just like go to HMV and buy oh, random yeah. CDs. And then honestly, okay, again, cool factor, just <laughs> like this. <laughs> I was a huge One Direction girl in my teenage years. Oh, yeah. And that brought me into a whole world of like, God, best described as the Tumblr era, I think, where I think social media was just on the rise and people, I think that's like when the whole fan culture shifted because people started making like 
social media accounts dedicated to their favorite artists where you could then talk to a community of fans of the same artists. And that's how yeah. I discovered so much music. And it was in the era of like Marina and the Diamonds and Sky Ferreira and The Neighborhood in the 1975 and mm. even like early Lana Del Rey and like early-ish, not really early, but like Arctic Monkeys, I think got grouped into that era. And that's yeah. how I discovered so much of it. And that shaped so much of my music taste. And then from then I got really involved with it by like lining up at concerts all day and meeting friends in line. And um, I don't know, I think you, when you're a fan at that level, you almost inadvertently learn a lot about the industry because you're like, Oh who, yeah. Who do I blame when like Niall from One Direction doesn't get solos? Like fuck management. <laughs> and then it's like, who like what does the label do? Like why like why are they doing this? Like who do I blame when One Direction only has one Canadian tour date? Because what the fuck? So like even like I it was literally just teenagers on Twitter, but we were talking about like good versus bad rollouts and like yeah. understanding promo and seeing the fan initiatives and like the different things they would do to yeah push their new single or push their new record and I think I really got into it that way and also it was just like being a fan and listening to music was the only thing I liked when I was a teenager so I was like well I guess I'm gonna try and work in this like there's nothing else I like yeah so, do you remember do you remember like one of the first moments where you're like oh my gosh this could actually be a thing I think it was, again, when you're a fan at that level and you start to know the people in their entourage and you're you like know the name of One Direction's manager and their publicist and you like you're like, fuck, I want to honestly, I just wanted to be like backstage at concerts or like have a pass like you'd see certain people and you're like, how do I get to do that? Like, how do I work at these shows? How do I get yeah. to, you know, work on putting out albums? It's yeah, it was more so. Yeah, kind of learning about different roles in the industry that way and then being like, wait, how the fuck do I do this? Yeah. Um, so and, I think that's yeah. And how 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 were your questions answered? Um, did you like research on how to become a manager or like things like because I did all these things. So I I'm just I'm relating yeah. to, to your process in like um were you looking it up? What are there some were there some resources that you, you were looking into? Um like a podcast or something or uh or like things like that 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 were informing you on the music industry at that time or was it just like looking at people's like bios or something like that and being like okay they went to like this university and or whatever college or mm -hmm. or they attended these things that they met these people at and then that's why they're like in management or like like stuff like that like was that of ever of interest to you or was it just like yeah, doing it and then going to school and then sort of falling into it? Kind of like a bit of both. I think the research aspect has always played a big part in how my career kind of went because, I mean, this was more of like a university thing, but I would look up the teams of certain artists and start to understand who those people were. And I would cold email and sometimes I would just ask to get coffee with them to understand more about what they did. And then um, sometimes, yeah, I don't know. I just was curious as to who the different players were. So I feel yeah. like research was a big part of it. But one of the initial ways, um, my dad rocks. So he, as soon as I wanted to get into the industry, he would just Google search like music industry conferences. And then he found CMW for me, classic. And yes. then I think <laughs> the first year I went to CMW was when I was like 17. Yeah. I remember I had to take 
the Friday off of high school and I was like I'm the coolest person right now like going to an <laughs> industry conference and I get to skip high school like fuck yeah um so I started going to that and then I would literally just go alone and then have to talk to a ton of people so I can make friends which is terrifying to me now but I somehow did it when I was 17 um and I feel like that was really cool because again it's just hearing all these different industry people speak about what they do and like learning more about the different roles and how it all comes together Mm -hmm. and then I'm trying to oh oh my god I so I love CMW I love being part of like I don't know just like community of people who were already working in music or wanted to work in music I just loved it and so when I was in grade 12 I had started I started going to a night course for music industry that I somehow found it was offered through my school board so I would take take the subway for like an hour on Mondays and Wednesdays and go to it was at coalition um I think yeah. they still do the course actually because a few of my friends have also done it but they did a music industry course and that was so much fun again it was like all people my age who wanted to work in the industry and that was really cool and then towards the end of that, I started my own like music industry meetups, downtown Toronto, where it was these free events that I wanted anyone to be able to attend because CMW is obviously really expensive and not everyone can do that. Yeah. Um. So I started my own monthly meetups where I would just reach out to people in the industry, whether it's people I already knew or literally just cold email people. Um. And they would come in for an hour every or on Saturdays once a month and they would just talk about what they did. It was similar to like a CMW format, but it was a free event. People would come out, they would talk about their careers for an hour and then do a Q&A at the end. And then everyone who attended the event could all mingle and get to know each other. Yeah. Um, And that was honestly just me forcing my way into the industry because I would just like reach out to industry people and be like, hey, do you want to come speak? And then I would get to know them. At the time, it just gave me something to put on my resume. And it was like learning how to put on events and get people out and promote it and create like book a space and create an RSVP link. So all good experience for doing events. Um, And I think I did that for like almost two years. And then through that, I would also do showcases. So a lot of the people who came out to the events were artists. So I was like, fuck it, I should showcase the people who attend my events every month. And the first one we did was in this really cool warehouse space and we like built a stage and luckily I had a ton of friends who were just down to help. Um, But put on this big event where I think there were seven artists and they all did like 20, 30 minute sets. Um, That was sick. I think we had like 100 people buy tickets, which like when I was 19, I was like, that's sick. Um, This is nuts. (laughs) <laughs> I don't I so I don't I don't know any of this stuff. And we like this stuff you know my LinkedIn. This is just <laughs> <laughs> This is wild. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um yeah, did that for a while. I did a few of those showcase events and they were a lot of fun, but I think I just got to the point with the meetups and the showcases that they were expensive because I was the one booking the room and like yeah. putting in a lot of time and I think I was doing them around the time I was in university and I'd started my first internship and I think it just all got a bit too much. So the meetups fell off, but they were a good era. Rest in peace. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds, it sounds fantastic. Um, Where'd you go to university? I went to TMU. I did creative industries, music business and something else because you had to choose two and I don't know I cannot remember what the other one was your modules 
Yes, the modules. I think the other one was film, but at the time I just didn't care that much about film, which now I would be really interested in, but yeah. you know, I was 20. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did, yeah, did a few years there, did an accounting minor at the same time, which my dad forced me into, but now I'm grateful for it. So thank you, dad. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And then I did this was my internship era. It was a big era for me. I think I did a total of four internships. Which, oh like, my gosh. It wasn't supposed to happen. Like it was definitely, there was some under the table shit. Like it wasn't supposed to be that way. But um, my first one was at UTA. Oh yeah. And it was literally my aunt's neighbor's son who was an agent there. Thank God my aunt is social and like talks to everyone because she got me that internship basically aunt's and neighbor's son it was okay. something like yeah, that yeah. I, I have to say it twice because it's like it's a lot okay. it's like, got there somehow she yeah. got me an <laughs> yeah, interview yeah. and Great. then i interned there in their french department so i would book a lot of the french or look over contracts for the french shows um and then uta shut down six months later rest in peace uta toronto office yes do you have a french yeah. background I went to elementary, like an entirely French elementary school. So we would get in trouble for speaking English. Like our school dances were in French. It was, oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. same here. You're talking to somebody that did that for 14 really? years. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's sick. Which one Mathieu, did you do? Mathieu <laughs> like that, I'm, I'm, I'm purely French. I only started really just being in the English world when I moved to Toronto. Uh, in, oh, in that's university. so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. From Sudbury. Mac Jack. McDonald Cartier high school oh, alumni insane yeah oh yeah oh yeah wow, you know crazy. the vibes yeah yours is in etobicoke <laughs> mine was in etobicoke saint Ville. um it's on rural york <laughs> we even back going back to our glee phases we had a glee club but we could only do <laughs> french songs like it was so <laughs> brutal wow uh yeah wow um how many like um I was going to say, like, how many, like, swing songs did you do? Or, like, uh, like what were some of the Glee songs? Do you remember some of the Glee songs? We did songs? one. Literally cut this out. But it's the <laughs> one that goes, I don't need to be singing on camera. But do you know the one that's, like, Yes. That one went so hard. Like, that one did not have to go so hard, but it did. <laughs> Okay, this is you should put that song iconic. at the beginning of the pod. That should uh, be the intro song. If, if you're giving me, if you're giving me the uh, the the go, well, I will do it. The song, not me singing the song. We don't need that. Ah, uh, that okay. one doesn't. Okay, <laughs> I so you're telling me that, that needs to be cut out. You can do what you want with it. Ah, yes. Fantastic. All right. As long as you give me the okay. I'll I'll, okay. I'll send you I'll send you a uh... go crazy. Yeah. We need to we that song just needs more attention. Like people need to go stream it. <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. This is how we get it. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Um mm -hmm. going back to um your origin story. Yes. Um when did things like change professionally for you? So is it is it out of those internships? Did you get a job after those internships? Um, so I was still in university at the time, which is a bit tricky. Like I was in first year when I was doing the UTA internship. So, oh wow! Yeah, it, it, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, really I literally, early. Yeah, so I did UTA, and then a lot of those agents went to Paradigm. Yeah. So um, I then went to 
paradigm to work with a lot of the same people that I was doing the French contracts with. Do you know Gaëtz? Do you know Andre? Yeah, Andre that's who Gaët? I used to work for. It was oh Simon goodness. at the time. Yeah, yeah, they were great. <laughs> Love them. Andre Gaëtz was in uh, my dad's wedding party. That's so funny. Did you ever do Adam Countryman's class at TMU? Uh, no. Oh, he was the other agent. I would literally, I'd had my, I'd have my internship on Monday during the day. I would leave and then do his night course. So I'd be like, see you later, Adam. And then see him a few hours later at school because he was teaching a course I was in. Um, That's great. It was a fun era though. I would skip all my classes to do my internship. And um, yeah, I was at Paradigm for a year. And then I kind of realized through those, I didn't really want to be an agent. So even if it had been, even if I had been graduated, I don't know if I would have gone that road. I just don't know if that is made for me, but, um, or if I'm made for that anyways. um, So did those two. And then the year after when we were doing our official internships through school, I did one in New York for loyalty management. They do, I don't know if they still do all these artists, but at the time it was Olivia O'Brien, Sigrid, Lord Huron. And I'd found them because I really like Olivia O'Brien and Sigrid. So I just like cold emailed them and they were super um, helpful with the visa forms and everything. So I was able to do that for a few months. But again, that one was tricky because it was an American company. So it was like, I wasn't getting hired right after because it would have been too hard logistically. Totally. Um, And then the fourth internship I did was a little less formal. It was just at a local venue in the city. And I think they just called it an internship to give a name to the program they were doing, but it was essentially helping people learn live sound and um, like how to do setups for, um studio sessions and then they had a venue on the top studio on the bottom so it was literally just spending a lot of time there and then like learning how it all works so that one was less official as an internship but yeah it was cool where was that was that at the cottage no so it, the venue doesn't exist anymore it used to be called may and it was right across the street from the gas station on dundas yeah dundas. Trinity- yeah. yeah yeah so that became the cottage Okay. Yes, it did. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I, it's the only. It's the only place in Toronto where I'm like, okay, there's a studio downstairs. And okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm like, wait, is it the cottage? Uh, so it was called May before. It was. I think they were doing the transition while I was still there, and then the pandemic hit, and then that's when I. Yeah. Obviously, stopped going in. So I'm not sure at what point it became the cottage, but I do remember that and the people there were so nice I loved it I would just sit in on studio sessions help them set up and tear down go to a ton of live shows and like shadow someone who was working the soundboard and then tried a few times myself and it was a less complicated show happening but um yeah that was fun I really liked that but didn't work there like it was weird timing with the pandemic so kind of just stopped working there at that time this is awesome uh just getting to know that side of things because you know we've met a bunch um Mm -hmm. and just like friends through Mm -hmm. work yes but also through uh nate as well oh Uh, love that man homie nate uh i mean for those who listen to this podcast you probably know nate or you should uh, at this point he's been he's been he's been on the pod so many times he's also the the other half of eights. So, um, Nate Day, homie, uh, legend. Love him. Uh, Everyone should know Nathan Day. We should just talk about Nathan for the rest of the podcast. Honestly, <laughs> I'm very down. I have a lot of content. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So, 
ending at May. Um, why management then? So I always, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was always stuck between management and tour management. I thought those were the two things I would really like to go into. I think the tour, tour management just because I loved live shows and I wanted to be a part of it somehow. And May kind of tied into that because I went through an era where I was just trying to learn as much about live shows as possible. So that's when I was trying to learn how to like sound engineer a concert. Um, yeah. But then I was also, God, this is so random. I was, for a bit, I was working at a warehouse that supplied audio equipment, lighting equipment, and audio lighting staging, I think. And they would just like rent out their equipment to festivals and concerts and da da da. And I just want to like learn about, again, how it all worked with the different parts of it. I don't know. Just, I just want to Which learn. Which one? Which is like a, it was literally an Ajax. Like I, I, <laughs> okay. I would take the GO train for an hour to work in a warehouse with all men and then carry around heavy equipment all day because I was like, I'm ambitious and I want to learn which this, like yeah i learned yeah. some shit but this is sick it's at great what cost yeah it was no, fun no, no, it i was did great. it for a summer okay and then i also did i mean this kind of helped with the next job i did for a few summers where i would um i was part of a company that would actually build and tear down the stages for festivals right and i think um i'm trying to think of what else i did it was mostly festivals that i worked at so i was at the last way home and a few like rest after... in peace rest in peace i was literally like looking back it was kind of cool but frank ocean was playing we were backstage on like our golf carts it was cool yeah. for 10 minutes while we could hear him and then i just stayed till like 8 a.m tearing down a stage and that was less cool uh, um but it was cool again like just learning how it all comes together learning a lot of the equipment that goes yeah. into staging and I don't know, even like different cables and diff like how it's all laid out on a stage. Like I wouldn't know that otherwise. So I guess it's cool to have a bit of that knowledge. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, just a random segue <laughs> in my journey. And no, then management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to back to that. So the company I interned at in New York was a management company, and that right. was after I had done a lot of the live live stuff, and I'd done two inter internships at an agency. And I was like, I've always been interested in management. I should intern out a company that does it just so I can learn more about that. And then I figured out I really liked it. So that was around the time I started working with Sabi because her and I had been friends for years before that, but she was doing music all on her own. And I was like, I can just help and give you another hand in this. And yeah, I've, I still work with her, but it was, um, just me and her for a while and it was really cool like I don't know I guess figuring it out that way she signed to a label for a bit so it was cool having that experience of like having a label team and even like signing my contract or understanding um yeah how labels worked just from being on the other side of it yeah and then yeah we did a lot and then she had a bit of a TikTok moment so it was cool like getting more into creating content and um I don't know trying to what am I even saying I don't know I just I learned that I really like management because it yeah, was just great. so many different things it's never the same and I liked the chaos of it I think yeah, um, yeah. very so different from tour managing mm -hmm. I can like, imagine it's so different <laughs> I haven't yeah. done tming yet but I'm going on tour next month so oh, great. that will be my taste of it I feel like 
my back's gonna hurt day two but yeah, I yeah. think I think I'm gonna like it so we'll see how that goes with Alex yeah she has an opening slot on Eric Nam's tour in Europe so oh, we're just fantastic. running around Europe for a month which I'm really excited about <laughs> yeah that's sounds yeah. great um now going into more of the uh, of your role as day-to-day manager it's a good segue um for yeah. Alex and stuff um many people probably have uh, a sense of what a typical manager does especially if you're listening to this podcast um and 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 if you don't i urge you to go check out uh Lori uh, Lori's pod um leaf so yes. 48 um uh, just that just happened just right before uh, before the holidays here um so just, yeah so some people might know typically what a what a what a music manager does um but how would you describe a day-to-day manager's role compared to that i feel like the main manager is really responsible for making all the big calls and like looking at it almost from from a bird's eye view like figuring out all the big things that are going to do thinking about it strategically thinking about what markets are smartest to hit at what time and who's smartest to work with like making all those big decisions and then I think I fill in the gaps of like coordinating those logistics so if yeah. the main manager decides that it's best for this band to go on tour in the winter to these markets and to these uh, venues and with this opener I then like go in and make the budget and I'll find hotel recommendations that are like close to the venue reasonable amount every night I'll find flight recommendations and then yeah create a budget for the main manager and the label or whoever to look at um right. that's just one example but yeah and then like coordinating things like press if people want to do interviews with the artists I help coordinate that I do a lot on the social side especially with Alex um so I talk to her every day, basically. I'll send her trend ideas, I'll send her content ideas, I'll make a content calendar for her and work really closely with her on that side. Yeah. Um, and just like dealing with random things that come up, helping coordinate last minute shows or even, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like brand deals, yeah. things like that, that come in, I just help coordinate. Um, yeah. It's it's different all the time, but yeah, it's totally. just a lot of I don't know helping coordinate everyone. Yeah, yeah totally. And j- in the beginning of your description, you were saying uh, like recommending things, recommending that, and just wanted to touch on the 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 word recommend recommending because um, managers would be typically like firing that off and like saying like go on these things. A mm-hmm. lot of your a lot of your job, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but would be sort of like taking the options sort of or researching the options putting them all together and being like okay here's what i think what do you think and then it's sort of like a it's almost like a we're good with this yeah like yeah specifically for touring i found that because they'll give me like the list of dates and then a lot of them are maybe an out an hour outside of a major city so then i like every now and then i'll figure out that it's best to fly into one place versus another rent a car or like it's cheaper to like do one thing versus another so i would say like recommendations in that sense yeah yeah. Um, just because like i'm the one researching the hotels or the flights and then i'm looking at the map and i'm kind of maybe helping in that way um yeah 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 fantastic um you talk about a lot of different things in 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 your role, um, and that like, I guess the, the days aren't necessarily always the same. Um, but can you describe a typical day to day, or like yes. even just like things that are recurring? Um, 
Yeah, in 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 your in your role. Yeah, um, I usually like to start off my week by looking at kind of social media trends. Yeah, sounds hashtags, and then sending that like again, it's mostly Alex and Savvy, but like sending that to them so that they can start to put together ideas for the week, content wise. Yeah. Um, there's certain things I do, like I schedule Alex's um, YouTube shorts. I'll do that like every Monday just to make sure they're going up every day. Um, and then again, it totally depends on what the artists are doing, but I do a lot of budgeting. So that happens pretty often or like fixing ad mats, editing tour posters, making a lot of the dates sold out if they are sold out. Um <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know, just random stuff like that. And then, yeah, kind of the things I said before, but like coordinating press and um, I'm trying to think, what do I do? Go ahead. No, sorry. It's just like a lot of answering emails and like yeah. coordinating between the artist side and all the different parties who are involved in it. Mm. Um a lot of the artists I work with have been touring a lot in the past year. So it's been heavy on that side with like the budgeting, finding hotels, finding rentals, finding, um, I don't know, helping on that side. At my last job, I was doing a lot of like almost remote TMing. So I would send them their daily mm. schedules. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know, a lot of different stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does your day change uh, when your artist is on tour rather than when they're not on tour like what are there some major like changes there just from your process yeah I think artists on tour always feel a bit hectic and I was heavily involved with the touring at my last job when the band I was working with they were doing I only worked with them for six months but they did an American tour and a Canadian tour so I kind of got a bit of experience in that sense but it always yeah. feels a bit more hectic because things can kind of go wrong or come up at any time of the day, especially when they're on the West Coast and their shows don't start till, I mean, doors don't open till seven, but then I feel like I need to stay up till a certain time to make sure it all went smoothly or like, yeah. or either doing a long ass drive and not checking into the Airbnb until 1am. And I'm always like, oh, I booked that Airbnb. I just want to make sure they get in okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It always feels a bit more hectic because it's just around the clock. They're either driving, getting to a venue, finishing a show, checking into a hotel. Yeah. Totally. Just there's so much happening. And then <laughs> when they're not doing that, it feels like a bit more of a regular schedule because they're not up at crazy hours. So I don't feel like I need to be. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's definitely probably different when an artist has a whole touring team with them. But the tours that I've been most involved with are like, I'm their contact if something goes wrong. So I feel responsible to be like, easy to access at any time of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, t you touched on a certain point that I find fa I found fascinating, just even okay. talk talking to Lori, um, you know, on and off the mic, but in the past has been sort of a, a funny thing that's been said, but it, but is just the reality of things because Lori's also managing Venby, who's a UK artist. Mm -hmm. um, she wakes up pretty early and goes to bed pretty early. Um, and just because sometimes she does need to start emailing early on in the day because it's later on in, in the day in, uh, in the UK. Um, do you, do you feel that? Well, Actually, do you start your day early because she starts her day early or is it sort of more, um, I don't want to say lenient, but are you typically more of a, like a nine to fiver 
I I think it depends. I so I I feel like I've recently come into a bit more responsibility at Wednesday. So like I like waking up early just to check my emails. And yep. again, there's always like working with people in different time zones. So I generally like starting my days early because it helps just clear off a few emails or a few tasks early in the morning and then you have a bit more of your day free. Um, it's not yep. always necessary. I think I just like doing it to stay on top of things. Um, but it's definitely more intense for someone like Lori or Nicole where Venice yes. was in the UK and they had to answer emails by a certain point because all of their label connections or the people they worked with were in a time zone five or six hours ahead. Um, yeah. But it definitely probably less pressure on my side. I just like doing it because, you know, if you could get a few things done before like 9am, you just feel great, you know, yeah. just like a lot less to stress about when it's like, God, I have to get everything done between 10 to 6. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Um, switching a little bit of uh, switching gears a little bit here um, to, to sort of looking on your current role sort of from an outside perspective. Um, are there things that are there lessons that you're you you learned or that you're still learning from your role that uh, or that you didn't know about um, but before you you got it in at Wednesday maybe specifically? Oh my god, I feel like I'm learning so much all the time. Like yeah. when I was like going through my internships, I was like, I get it. And then when I was like, right. <laughs> when I was like first year of my label job, I was like, I get it. And then when I was like second year of my label job and I took on a bigger role with a band who like did touring and like had radio and like had a bit of success, it was really exciting for me. And I was like, I get it. And then Wednesday has just been a whole new experience because again, yeah. it's like Alex working on like a European tour, which I've never done before. And like the beaches that are selling out like every fucking show and like doing festivals and just going crazy right now is just everything is a new learning opportunity and yeah. I feel like I'm still young in my career where it probably will feel like this for a while like I'm just really lucky with um the opportunities I've gone but yeah I'm still learning so much even working with Lori like just being on CC on some emails just seeing how people interact with each other hearing like how certain things are done or deals are made I just yeah I feel like I learn so much all the time yeah you touched on my next question, actually, okay. which was things that you thought you knew or things that you, you thought were like a certain way, but they actually so weren't that oh way. God. I feel like maybe working at a label because I so my first official industry job was working at 604 Records. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was really interesting being on that side of it because I don't know, I think the role of a label has changed so much, especially since now marketing and promotion is so heavy, heavily reliant on the artist. I don't yes. think labels have the same role that they did 10 years ago. So I feel like that was eye-opening in the sense of like, even when I was working with Savvy and it was just me and her and we always thought we needed a label to do certain things or get certain numbers and then working at a label being like, oh, you can do a lot of these things as an independent artist, like labels are great for investing in you. And obviously you get connections and things like that. But yeah. so much of it is reliant on social media marketing at this point that I think it was a bit eye-opening to, I don't know, realize you can do a lot as an independent artist. Obviously the financial aspect is a huge part of it and labels are helpful for that. But yeah. in terms of the marketing, I don't think labels are as powerful as they were. 
just a few years ago. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think that was eye-opening, especially from the savvy perspective, because it was just like disillusioned at what labels can do, especially as a small artist. Like obviously when one of their artists are going crazy, labels are really helpful for bringing them to the next level. But if you're just starting out, like you can do a lot of that yourself. Yeah. What are some of the tips that you, you would, you would say to sort of somebody that wants to start a career or, or has recently started a career in music as an artist? Um, what, what would you, what would you prioritize mm-hmm. as a manager or sorry, what would you prioritize? Sorry. What would you tell them as a manager to do sort of, and, and to prioritize in their process, um, right now in 2024? Um, I feel like if you're just, just, just starting out, mm. like you can do a lot of it yourself and start to figure it out. And it's probably good for an artist to like just have a basic understanding of who the different players are and like how the industry works. And I don't know, even just like training yourself to be good at using social media. Um, Again, it's all going back to like scroll through TikTok and see what people are doing there for your own inspiration of how to promote your music. I think like reach out to other artists and reach out to producers and like build your network that way. Go to events like I go to events and I see those same artists there all the time and just as an industry person you take note of that and you like I don't know that's the way that an artist can slightly get into the industry by meeting industry people having them follow them on Instagram and if I keep seeing you then I'm going to remember who you are and maybe a few months or a few years down the line that's when you kind of get your team together but as a starting artist I think it's just like do a lot of research, figure out what events are out there, figure out what festivals are out there, figure out what artists and producers are out there. Um, Even just like if you can find a friend with a camera or someone else at your university who wants to be on the business side, then you can partner up with them. Like you don't necessarily need a team, but if it's someone who's just as excited to learn as you are, then yeah, it's great to have an extra hand. It's great to have someone sending emails to all the small blogs that exist. And then it gives you more time to focus on writing or, uh, I don't know, rehearsing or creating content. So yeah, I think find your community, go to events. And it's always helps if you can generate a bit of a social media thing happening. Again, I see a lot of independent artists do it themselves where they just built their Instagram up to a certain amount. And as much as it sucks, maybe it does help further down the road. If you're trying to talk to a label, they look at that. So, but you don't need like a professional team to help you get there. You can find a friend with a camera and shoot cool content. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, Back to uh, Sabi. Um, <laughs> uh, how for those who don't know um the project uh how would you sort of describe or how would you pitch sabby to the people that are listening um right she now? is <laughs> it's like <laughs> just the most girly pop you can think of and i think it's so much fun it's just like hype music for like if you love the color pink and you like always have lip gloss on you like it's just fun it's silly it's girly but it's so good and unique at the same time like she Mm. always has such a specific vision of what she wants to do and like I think I love her because she's an artist that wants to build a whole world around her concepts and the music she's making so she wants like the costumes and the videos and even just like the social media content to all um 
uh, oh my God, I can't think of words right now. Anyways, she wants everything to come together to build a world around the music she's making. So it's not just a single, it's like a character and it's like right. part of a whole era. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's why I love her. And um, it's been a lot of fun to work on because we can't get so creative with the way we market it and promote it and create content around it. So it's always been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so fun just seeing from mm. from an outsider's perspective. It's yeah. so like it's so it's such like a world. Yes, and everything is like planned, but also everything is like cohesive. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and a lot of fun to 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 see and to to hear. I love the music as well. So Sick. I'm stoked on that. For those who don't know, Sabi Souza, um, check it out. Um, it's S A B B Y S O U S A. You know, socials, wherever you get your music. Wherever um, you stream, go. That's right. That's right. Uh, very much like Sharpay Evans vibes, like Barbie Huge vibes. on that. Especially yeah, like, the last project we were working on. It was all inspired by like these early 2000s almost mean spoiled girls, but like taking a fun twist on it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just taking these fun interesting weird concepts and then creating a really catchy pop song so yeah i love it a lot of fun mm-hmm. um how are you balancing your role um as management with sabi um with your current role as day-to-day manager at wednesday how, how is that like how does that shape up it's tricky it's um the good thing with sabi is she also works a day job so a lot of the times when we talk or plan or do stuff together it's in the evenings or on weekends so it works out that the schedule i have with her is the opposite of my day-to-day like 10 till 6 job um but yeah it's hard it's like having to be good at time management and balancing different things and i love my agenda so i just take lots of notes (laughs) on the different things i have to do but um Yeah, it just works out that the schedules um, are opposite. Yeah, that's great. And I'm still looking at my um, my little script here. I, of course, mm-hmm. for those who know who have been listening, they know this infamous thing that I send out to people. Um, you had uh, the opportunity to look at yours yesterday. Um, I'm looking at the question here, um, and it's a Lori sort of question. I want to ask the same question yeah. because. Um, because a few weeks ago when I had Lori on, it was all based around like modern management. And I loved what she's been doing with the beaches mm-hmm. over the last year uh, and sort of taking a new sort of approach to their project. And I want to talk about more of like the mo- modern management approach that she was, ta- she's been taking. Um, so I sort of want to throw this question out. Um, mm-hmm. What are the things that you're currently looking at that are important to you when thinking about the term modern management and how to mo- like manage an artist, but in the modern social media 2024 world that we are currently mm-hmm. living in, what are some of the most important things that you're looking at as a manager? For sure. Um, I think especially with social media and the way things are going it's just recognizing moments when they happen and really capitalizing on them like your yeah. song can be trending one week but what are you going to do with that because in two weeks it won't be so it's like really taking advantage of those moments and like 
when I work on social media with Sabi or with Alex, it's like looking at it every day because it's figuring out what videos worked and then doing it again super quickly so that you can take advantage of the engagement that a certain song or a certain post video got. So I think that's the most important thing is just really staying on top of especially the social media aspect and recognizing things when they happen. Um, if a song starts doing well on TikTok, then like, what's our next post going to be? Like, how are we going to take advantage of one post that went crazy? And um, yeah, just staying on top of that, I think is just the most important thing because trends change so fast with yeah. TikTok and with the songs that are going viral and trending and even just the artists that are popular at a certain time it all happens so fast yeah and if you don't take advantage of it i think people are just very okay with moving on to the next thing without batting an eye but if you mm -hmm. can't take advantage of it then people will remember you and it will just be more lasting engagement that's great um for the people that don't know where can you go and find those trends um you know or because i know i know of some you know I know of something that exists, I believe, um, that it's like, is there like an email that gets sent out weekly or something? Or like there's a, there's like TikTok thing that, you know, I'm is actually, yeah, I'm on a great email list. I'm going to pull it up because my friend Claudia started it and I love okay. her, but she basically sends out weekly trends and it's not just like trending sounds or hashtags, but it's like jokes that people are making or like memes but not in a cheesy way like what are people joking about this week um right it's called on the pulse oh it's gonna be flipped <laughs> okay that's no, great the name but um it's on the pulse by fanmade and that's her company and so the last email she sent me was like just yeah just different trends it's, uh, talking about Lil Nas and what's happening with him and then uh Renee Rapp um yes yeah yeah different random trends that I didn't know about that I'm like, fuck, am I getting old? Um, but like, the, <laughs> just like things that aren't directly related to music, but just knowing what's going on. Yeah. On social media. Yeah. And um, people can, people can just like sort of, it's, it's more of like a newsletter thing. They can just subscribe. Yeah. Kind of I will find, I just DM'd her when I joined, but I'll, I think there's a part on their website. So I'll send it to you. And I think people can just put in their emails and be included on it. But, um, sick. It's really great. So highly recommend. And then in terms of TikTok trends, I kind of just find those again by spending way too much time on the app and scrolling through. And I'll always save the videos that feel like they could be a trend and then um, sounds that I see a few times and then sharing those with my artists. There's also a really good website. I think I have it saved. It's part of TikTok's website, but it just shows you the trending hashtags in your area. So I check yes. that every week too. It's the, um, it's literally ads.tiktok.com, but it shows you everything that's trending. So it's like, that one's a bit trickier because it will show you everything that's trending. And it's like, it, it's d demographics that don't apply to you. It's like people talking about hockey and I'm like, I don't care. Like that's not right. helping me. There's like trending hashtags yeah. for random shit. And you're like, this doesn't help. But every now yeah, and yeah. then, every now and then it's good. So yeah, Sabi's yeah. not going to be talking about hockey. No, that doesn't help me. Yeah. <laughs> none of my yeah. none of my artists are making videos about hockey. So yeah, yeah. The three a little uh, fun question. Um, what are oh. some of the behind the scenes aspects of your job that listeners might not be aware of but would find fascinating? Are there 
some things, you know, some, some, uh, <laughs> some, I don't know, some cool things from your job that people don't expect or like, um, yeah, some fun things that have, that have happened, something, some, some stuff like that. Um, I always love being on a set, like if it's yeah. a music video set or just like a photo shoot or even like being behind the scenes at shows when my artists like come through. I think that stuff is always really exciting because it doesn't happen that often and it like isn't really part of my job to be I mean it's helpful if I'm on a video set but I'm not like one of the people actually producing a video but I always love being there and just seeing how it all comes together and then I usually get like behind the scenes content for the artists that I'm working with so yeah I think that's always really fun it's just being on a set feels so special like I just there's always like snacks and coffee and I love it it's just so yeah. much fun um I feel like I still get a kick out of that stuff I just find it cool yeah great um just wrapping up before we get mm -hmm. into the game um any well anything that you're looking forward to at the moment just in your oh, in, yeah. in your career in your job in your role um anything like that i'm excited to go on tour which i'm yes. doing next month i'm really excited about that because it's my first tour it's in europe it's a month it's going to be so much fun um so that is like the obvious one that comes to mind um yeah I think that's it like I'd love to go to a festival this summer maybe something that like one of my artists are playing on that I could go see I think that would be really cool um yeah, but yeah I think the tour is like obviously the main thing yeah that's great mm -hmm. and similarly but quite different um what's the dream for you what's the like what's the dream scenario I honestly, it sounds so cheesy, but I love where I am now. Like I love management and just all the artists I work with are super great. So like this feels so perfect for me right now that I'm like, I would be so happy doing this for a really long time. Um, yeah. yeah, I honestly just love what I'm doing right now. So happy with it. That's yeah, that's it for me. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, going to the last part of the, of the, uh, of the pod Love. the uh dream fest game okay um now for those who don't know or have never listened to the podcast we do play a couple games uh the dream fest game being one of them i asked my guest um basically to program an evening of a festival so um basically i asked them what the headliner would be what the second headliner would be the opener um where this festival will happen when it would happen the attendance as in is it a hundred thousand people or is it 10 people oh uh is it is it like a huge festival or is it like an intimate setting um and if there was one food or drink on the menu that would best describe my guest what would that be um oh so okay. we're, we're here today with with uh allison purdue um with the dream fest game um so Allison, what do you think? I, I can also, we could also take a little second. Um, you may have already thought about this. Um, I've thought of a few. I've given okay, it great. some thought. Yeah. Okay, great, great. Um, so um, who would be headlining if you want to start there? We also don't need to start there. Um, okay, so my headliner, I've given it a lot of thought. Okay. I think um, One Direction Reunion, that's my headline. <laughs> They're all coming back for me. I'm bringing them back somehow. Fantastic. Even if Zane doesn't want to, he'll be there. <laughs> yeah. um, who else? Um, 
I went to, this is such a random story, I went to a festival two years ago and it was like the perfect mix of pop girls and like 90s alternative bands and it was amazing. It was like Dua Lipa headlining one day and Pavement the next day or like <laughs> yeah. you see the Jesus and Mary Chain and then two hours later see Charlie XEX and like that's the vibe I'm going for because it was so yeah. sick. Um, okay, so One Direction headlined. Um, Wait, was it in Bar Barcelona? Oh, yeah, I fully saw you there. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That festival was insane. That one was so much fun. Yeah, it was crazy. It was nuts. <sighs> I think about that lineup every day because nothing would be <laughs> how good that was. So sick. Um, who would be the second headliner then? Okay. Um, oh, my God. Oh, I literally if you got one direction, If you got One Direction as headliner, who could, you know, who could present them? Who would be before them? Okay. Honestly, I love my girl Lana, and I've never seen her live, so I'm putting her on my festival. I love Lana Del Rey so much. Um, yes. Next, yes. Alex Turner, but specifically the Submarine EP, like just that in full. Those are the whole <laughs> okay. five songs acoustic. I want that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, let's throw Wilco on there, because I've never seen Wilco, and I love Wilco, and that would be a lot of fun. Let's switch it up a bit. That's um, great. Bell and Sebastian are touring this year, but their tickets are expensive, so I'll put them on my festival so I can see them. <laughs> um, I oh, okay. I'm trying to think of people I actually really like right now. Ethel Kane, I'm obsessed with. Oh yeah, um, she would be on mine. I saw her last year at Lee's Palace. Went there. I'd listened to the album a few times. I was like, this will be fun. And then I left with a signed poster that hangs on my wall because I was obsessed. <laughs> so Ethel yeah. Kane. Um, I love Sabrina Carpenter. I think she's so much fun. Um, unironically, I think Addison Ray is so cool. And I'm obsessed <laughs> yeah. with Addison Ray. And she's on my festival. <laughs> I don't care. Sick. Um, God, I don't even know. Charlie XEX, because obviously I'm obsessed with Charlie XEX. Um, Marine yes. and the Diamonds, but only the first two albums. Uh, Sky <laughs> so, Ferrer, so but she's not 50 minutes late. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah this yeah. is a huge festival yeah. um that's that's it yeah that's it <laughs> uh where would it happen oh my god i see i was thinking too much about the artists i didn't think about the other questions um <laughs> i don't know somewhere warm somewhere cool i like yeah etobicoke yeah that's the one <laughs> yeah. centennial park we're, yeah. we're doing it on the hill yeah. um somewhere warm my favorite part about Primavera was that the festival started so late and it would go until the morning. So seeing like Charlie XCX at 2 a.m., like that was the vibe. Yeah. So we'll take their yeah. spot. So sick. Uh, yeah. Beach beach in, in Spain is, is, is a I fantastic okay. location. Uh, so it would also be then in the summertime. Yes. Has to fantastic. be. How many people can uh, attend? I don't know. I just don't want to end up like this in the middle of a crowd. So... I, don't know. <laughs> I hate that yeah not wanna, too many yeah would you want to have like a, a a chair or is it a standing thing i love a chair we do um, love a chair yes i would love the chair option like right, 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 right. Like one chair off to the side for me specifically <laughs> um yeah i don't know how many people but no, they can great. all stand i might just yeah. take a chair <laughs> yeah. um and then if there's one food or drink on the menu that would best represent you um that would be available for the evening oh um what would that be see i was thinking <laughs> such a random question think about this um, no, it's okay. i 
Is there like a signature drink or like a signature food that people like know you for, for, for or like in your circle or something? Oh my God, I don't know. Do I even have a personality if I don't have a food that I, you know what? I love pierogies, you know, let's just put pierogies yes. on the menu. Everyone gets a pierogi. It's all you can eat. Everyone's happy. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's how we wrap the, uh, the app. Um, oh, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for um, having me. My yeah. stomach was growling throughout that, so I really hope the mic didn't pick up my stomach growling. And if it did, I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. Um, I'm yeah, I'm hungry myself. So we'll uh, we'll it's time. It's time to to have a snack. We've or something. done it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Thanks for coming. It was so great to get to know uh, a little bit more about you. Uh, I've known you for I don't know maybe a few years now. Um. Mm-hmm. And um. It's so great to to learn a little bit more, especially about like the origin story. We didn't necessarily get to talk about the extent of your fandom, but I'm I'm sure it's so intense. Um and and, and also your 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 role as a day-to-day at Wednesday. Uh and um and of course your primary management position with uh with artists like uh like like Sabi. Um mm-hmm. and uh, of course an uh, an amazing dream fest game. So thanks again. Of course. Um and uh, for for the people listening, make sure to check out uh, Allison at Allison Purdue on uh, on socials on and, all uh, the socials on all the socials. Find me on Letterbox. Let's hang there. <laughs> Follow me on Spotify. <laughs> uh, also check out Wednesday Management as well. And second shout out uh, to Wednesday. Yeah. Um, also want to thank those specifically who are listening who have been uh, there for. Uh, since the beginning, it's the fifty-first episode. Next week is the fifty-second episode, meet, which means a year, uh, pretty much straight of uh, of of podcasting, which is which is nuts. Um, thanks again, and and again, you know, no shame. Please comment, please subscribe, do the whole like thing. Uh, it helps us a ton. Uh, interact online on socials. It's at eights creative for professional services, but also eights community for all things podcast and community. Um, as always, stay safe and see you next week. Allison, do you have any uh, final words? Um, I wish I did. No, I don't. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Amazing. Have a good week, everybody. Stay safe. Bye.